Hello, welcome to today's Sean Steele Personal Injury Teleconference. Today's special guest is expert witness for motor vehicle accidents, forensic engineer Zach Moore. As always, you're encouraged to press the number one during the conference call to ask a question of Mr. Steele. Mr. Steele, your call is now live. Thanks very much, Shane. Appreciate it. Doctor, thanks for joining us, taking time out of your day. We'll always keep our promise. We start exactly at 1 and we end exactly at 1.30. Uh, it, uh, because we've got a lot of material to go through today about an area we've never explored with chiropractors, and that's basically uh, getting the mechanics and the understanding of MVAs uh, from a professional engineer's point of view. Email me any questions you have or thoughts, seansteele at seansteele.com, and I can read those questions. It's probably a little better than, than trying to break in on a conversation. Uh, what we have today is Zach Moore. I work with him on multiple cases right now. We like him a lot. And he is with uh, one of the largest construction consulting and safety engineering uh, companies uh, in California, if not the country. It's quite, quite formidable. These folks uh, are the gold standard uh, for uh, accident reconstruction in California. They're very busy. Uh, trying to get one of these folks to, to the scene of the accident, try to look at the cars, try to measure what happened to the highway, how uh, how much energy was uh, uh, was propelled into the victim uh, is is absolutely crucial. We get a lot of times insurance companies deny claims. They know no, no, nobody could have gotten hurt with that scenario. Uh, Zach, welcome aboard. Tell us about yourself. Where'd you go to school? Thank you. I went to school here in Los Angeles, uh, Loyola Marymount University. And that was an undergraduate. What was your uh, degree in? I was a mechanical engineer. Well, how did you get into the forensic business? I mean, you, you know, you graduated in 2004, so you're kind of a new kid on the block, if you don't mind me saying. And forensic engineering is a pretty rarefied area. It is. After a few months of designing the machines that made Coke cans, I uh, decided for a more exciting option in engineering and got a lot of certifications along the way and a lot of on-the-job training and eventually started reconstructing accidents. And at that point, well, I was hired by people like Sean to testify as an expert. Well, I see that you've got some interesting uh uh, professional certi certifications, including a certified playground safety inspector. So that that brings up school cases, park cases where where kids can get hurt because the machinery may be malfunctioning or the landscaping itself is is dangerous. Is that is that essentially correct? Exactly right. Yeah, at Wexco we do a combination of construction consulting, uh, premises liability type cases, and auto accident reconstruction. Well, when it says you're safety and engineering, there are construction companies that would hire you as they're building the property out to avoid traps, to avoid uh, uh, areas where people can get hurt. Does that sound right? Exactly right. We analyze the risk, um, eliminate that, and we also do code compliance to make sure you know, you're compliant with the current building codes and industry standards. Yeah, those building codes are national in origin. They could be state in origin. Can they also be local? Can a, can a, can a yes. building code? Well, if you have a state code on how, how, how many steps or how big the steps are in an apartment building, would that trump a, a local city code? 
Um, typically, that will be what the building's constructed to, and then a city code would be applied on top, where they may have more rigorous or more specific standards in addition and to that. that and that would hold. Correct. We, we, we had an interesting case where our client fell down a bunch of stairs in an apartment that she lived in, and the stairs just didn't look right to us, but we're not experts. We hired Wexco to go out there and look at it, measure the stairs, and then their job is not only to inspect and do the measurements, uh, they need to find out uh, what laws apply to those stairs. Is there a Actually, right. state? And uh, we don't know that, but the engineers have to go through lots of records and see and lots of laws, you know, lots of uh, laws and uh, lots of regulations to see what applies. We depend on it heavily, so they, it's not just a matter of looking at the scene. Then it finally says you're a licensed mechanical engineer. What does that mean? Correct. So, upon getting my degree, there's a series of tests to go through, and it includes the process of working under other professional engineers. And when you complete the final exam, uh, the state of California licenses you as an engineer, and you can stamp plans and you're um, licensed by the state. Okay, I see that. Yeah, it's it's a long curriculum vitae, and which is, which is very impressive, and it also explains uh, you know what what kind of services you provide in court. Not only personal injury, premises liability, personal uh, uh, product defects, but also uh, slip and trips and falls, and then falls from height. So you get people that are falling out of windows. You have those kind of cases, too. Yes, I do. Unfortunately, oftentimes it's children uh, because people don't bring their buildings, you know, oftentimes large apartment complexes and hotels up to the industry standard, and um, that can lead to children falling out windows and sustaining large injuries. Well, that happened to Eric Clapton's uh, son, and he wrote a song about it. It's it's it's, it's terrible. You, you you know, adults don't worry about you know falling out of windows, but a three-year-old kid, if it, if it's if it's easy to climb over, can can have a terrible uh, effect. Now, if the building is built, and this is something unplanned, but if a building was built 30 years ago. Uh, is there a duty that the landlord has to keep it up to date every time the city changes the uh, the requirements? It's becoming more and more common that cities are actually adopting that into their municipal code. Um, unfortunately, it's not nationwide yet, but there are industry standards like ASTM, and I'm a part of their organization, that actually put out these safety standards for windows to prevent window falls. They have things like window fall prevention devices. You can put you know, safety clips, and there's you know, multiple ways that they recommend you know, securing your well, windows I, and buildings. So the landlord has a continuing duty to keep improving his property, or, or otherwise, if there's a terrible accident, he could be liable. That's what it sounds like to me. Correct. All right. Well, listen. With let's get it to the world. I promised doctors today that we'll talk about uh, uh, auto accidents, what we call uh, motor vehicle accidents, MVAs, and I want to go over three different cases that you've handled. And, and how do you how do you help a plaintiff attorney? We, we, the doctor has a job, the chiropractor has a job of diagnosing the injuries and offering proactive uh, care, uh, but sometimes 
uh, oftentimes we have to get a mechanical engineer, we have to get an expert witness, a forensic engineer like yourself, to help explain to the jury why this patient even needed care and how they got hurt. Uh, and so you, you, you don't get to diagnose at all, but if you have a neck or, or a back case, if it's a rear-end collision, what, what do you help? Uh, how does your testimony help in that? Right. So we can basically reverse engineer or use forensic engineering to determine the forces that were involved in that crash. And those forces are imparted onto the body causing specific injuries. So using a variety of methods, including inspecting the site, tracking skid marks, um, inspecting the vehicles themselves, we can determine the forces involved in that crash and what was imparted to the body and what direction and, you know, torsion was involved, things like that that we can provide answers to. Have you testified on a case like that recently? Yes, I have. Well, tell us um, about I actually recently, I recently did a, it was a rear-end collision, uh, and the damage to the car didn't look terribly bad at, at first glance. Um, but I was able to inspect the car a second time when they actually tore down the body and was able to identify frame damage. So, uh, you can't see that from underneath the car? You have to tear it down, so to some, speak, and open up the trunk or what? Yeah, typically you'll have to kind of get in there and pull pieces away from the frame to see if uh -huh. it's been twisted or damaged in any way. Okay. Um, and... What otherwise would look like a, a minor crash, we can tell that there were pretty significant forces involved. Um, a big number we use to kind of explain those forces is called delta V, or change in velocity, and that's okay. really let's, let's, underlying let, force. Let, let's under let's underline that delta V simply means change in velocity from one from one level to another level, and the greater the change, the harder the impact and the greater trauma to the body. Is that fair to say, to the human body? Exactly correct, yes. Okay. So so the the game is, as I recall, insurance companies and their experts generally like to say, oh, that was no more than Delta 5, or that's Delta 2, Delta 3. Uh, and, and that will imply that it was a very small impact and nothing could have been hurt. Is that is that often what you hear, or am I barking up the wrong tree? That is correct, and that's why we're able to use, you know, reverse engineering to show that, you know, X amount of force causes damage to the frame when it's at a certain angle. So in a rear rear end collision, you have a pretty direct angle um, from the front bumper to the rear bumper of the target vehicle, and that's how you can, you know, mathematically determine the force and say, no, that Delta V was actually closer to. 14 in this case. In the actual case you testified, you testified under oath that it was a Delta V14. That's considered what? Moderate? Significant? How would you, well, how did you describe it? pretty significant. In a head-on collision, for reference, uh, the airbags will typically deploy at about 15 miles per hour Delta V. Mm -hmm. So that's a fairly significant accident, and it can definitely cause injury. Okay. Well, we'll get into airbags in a little bit. My favorite, one of my favorite subjects. But that's that's. And so uh, afterwards, uh, your attorney talks to the jury. 
uh, and 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 I know they do this. All all attorneys talk to the jury afterwards, uh, and uh, they believe certain experts, and they don't believe certain experts. Uh, did you get a favorable result? We did. We did. It was they um, were able to comprehend the math and science behind the reconstruction, and um, that's the best part about engineering is that you know there's one there's one right answer, and when you have a set of facts that you can actually plug in the numbers um, and you get that answer. Um, you know, it makes sense to a jury, and and in this case, we got a favorable decision. Okay, that's yeah, that's what we'd like to hear, and that's great. A favorable decision means uh, there's compensation for the patient. Doctors get paid, and there's even money enough to pay to for the experts uh, as well. And and, it, and many times, if if uh, you go to court. And the defense has a forensic engineer, and the plaintiff does not produce one. Whatever that forensic engineer says is generally going to be believed by the jury, and, and your case is defeated. Many times you can't even really talk about the injuries if you can't get over the threshold that that nothing happened to the patient in the first place at all. So it's 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 become a kind of a do or die. Uh, you also mentioned to me that you had an extremity injury case. Uh, tell me about that. I did. This actually involved a T-bone accident uh, where the plaintiff's car was T-boned by a much larger vehicle, um, causing the plaintiff to shift uh, right to left or laterally in the car, and there were pretty significant injuries to the plaintiff's arm. And... Um, Defense, of course, claimed it was not due to the accident um, based on the typical forces involved. But we were able to show that um, when you're T-boned, your body will shift one way and then basically rebound back the other way. And that's when the injury occurred. Now, that it was the left arm or the right arm, or do you recall? It was the left arm. So right, and that's I assume that's where the point of impact took place was was on the driver's side of the door, a, a driver's side it was of the actually car, passenger side, and it okay. was kind of that shift and then rebound that caused the injury. And so that, and so the arm struck part of the car. I take it. Exactly right. And and, and oftentimes uh, it's so quick the patient doesn't even know they don't have any clarity about how they hurt their arm. Uh, right, and that's common to. Well, you're talking about a you know basically within a second or or a portion of a second, so it's it's fast. And so you you I see you folks as kind of bringing in a virtual slow motion camera that tracks right. the body microsecond by microsecond and gives us a plausible uh, story. Do you you often do uh, work with uh, forensic uh, animators putting a film together? We do. We actually have recently brought one in-house, so I can tell the jury that I directed him exactly what to put in this animation based on my calculations, and to the most reasonable degree of engineering certainty, have told him exactly how the accident happened. Well, that that's fascinating because I think juries like to be entertained. They like to see uh, you know something moving. They like to see videos, and uh, we've used that ourselves. It's terribly expensive. Uh, but it's so powerful, and, and, it, and it really gives a good bird's eye view or a good, a good view of what, what actually happened to the patient. And um, some judges uh, 
can be taciturn. Have you ever had a judge say that that they didn't want your testimony because they didn't believe it, or it's, it's not? I never have. Okay. Right. There's there's a process to make sure we get through, but you know, like I said, engineering, we are, we're able to use numbers and facts um, to explain these accidents, and I've never had a problem getting my testimony in front of a judge. Well, how many times have you testified? Would you estimate? Uh, I have about a hundred depots and twenty-five, thirty trials under my belt. Okay, all right. Well, again, the more of those you do, the more of an expert you become because more judges have have approved you. So, uh, do you remember what the injury to the arm was? Was it soft tissue or was it was it a fracture? Uh, I believe both were involved, uh, but again, I would defer to the the doctor on that case. Okay. Well, yeah, that you're not going to be able to diagnose. Uh, uh, what what resulted, but you can die, but you can simply say what happened that, that got the patient right. to have have a problem with their arm. You can't explain the problem in the arm. That may be that you know that may be up in the air. One of the areas that I'm, I'm fascinated about are, are airbag cases. Uh, airbags, of course, were designed 30 years ago, and I think been mandatory for 25, maybe longer. And it's just and, and that when we had the two point belt seat harness. It would be, uh, you know, you would be, you'd be hit in the rear, and your head would wind up uh, in a face plant on the steering wheel, or worse than that. And right. uh, so, so it was uh, conceived at that point. If I have my history correct, well, we got to have airbags to to prevent that from happening, and they probably saved a lot of lives. But it does terrible damage along the way. Now, on a macro level, uh, the University of Georgia did a study. And in their view, their, uh, uh, that airbags today do more damage than good. They're, they're just, you know, providing concussions. That, uh, you basically have a microsecond missile going in the patient's uh, torso uh, in, in, uh, in less than a second and at a 200-mile-an-hour impact. And, you know, that, that, that people are going to feel very, very different after that airbag goes off. The bigger you are and the further away you're from the airbag, uh, you're not as hurt. But if you're a, a tiny female and you're sitting in the passenger seat and you got that airbag tilted toward your head, you're, you're going to, and your seat's ramped all the way up to the dash, you're going to get blasted and badly. And of course, we've seen lots of damages over the years uh, where you have severe concussions, abrasions, broken noses, broken jaws, uh, broken solar plexus. Uh, Heart palpations, broken ribs, abrasions, just from the airbag alone. So oftentimes, I'll see an accident case where the airbag does more damage than the actual auto accident. So patient gets trauma number one with the with the first impact, and the airbag goes off. So it's it's pretty wild. Uh, what is your view? And I don't even know what your answer is. With a three point harness, where your body is immobile. With today's seatbelt standards, when that airbag goes off, you're just trapped. You're just going to take it in the face and in the chest. Do we need airbags anymore, really? <laughs> I'm still of the belief that they they prevent more um, injuries than they cause, but it's definitely um, a source of injury in many accidents that I see. Um, I've even seen accidents where a spontaneous airbag deploys um, without a collision or impact, and that's caused some pretty significant damage um, 
to the well, the, to the driver and passenger. The driver would the driver would lose lose all control and could cause a, a huge accident that way. And then you had the exactly. shrapnel problem with the Japanese company that was making bad airbags by the millions. And upon impact, right. and when that airbag exploded, you, you you would have basically an IED in your car. It'd be exploding, and you get people died that way. I, I think that was, right. uh, yeah, that that I think those cases are gone. Those those airbags have been recalled, and lots of money have been spent by the insurance companies, uh, you know, compensating the victims because that came out of nowhere. Well, on on. on I might I keep an open mind on this, Zach. I'm thinking that the airbag day may be may be gone. We've got airbags now that, of course, uh, now are on the side of the car. And I remember right. uh, my first case where, where the client not only got hit in the front, they got hit on the side, and both aimed toward their head. And I'm thinking, well, that's not very good. And now Mercedes has a new new model where the airbag is in the ceiling. Oh, for God's sakes! You're going to come out uh, an inch shorter after that impact, so you're going to hit from the front, you're going to hit from the side, you get hit from the top. What's next? And I think it's strictly for marketing. I don't think there's a, a primary concern about uh, safety. I think it's more for marketing. What's, what's your opinion about a ceiling airbag? Yeah, I, I don't know if the studies are out yet on that. Um, damages to um, drivers or passengers could experience that, but I will be very interested to see because, it doesn't seem essential in a collision. Um, that's not a typical point of impact to the body, so it, it may be overkill. Well, I bet you're probably not going to buy one with uh, ceiling airbags. Uh, would you would you be tempted to disable side airbags in your car? The side curtain airbags? Yeah. Um, I mean, airbags in general are, it's basically an explosion when they deploy. Um, right. So they, depending on the incident, may cause more injury than they prevent. Well, I'm just curious if you have, uh, you know, I, you know, if you're married and you have, you know, wife sitting next to you and you, you know exactly where that airbag's going to deploy. <laughs> yeah, they do have options now. I know that you can disable and, and so I think it's something to think about. Let's talk about your actual experience in the courtroom. Of the very big area in personal injury, bigger than ever, is traumatic brain injuries. And there's lots of ways to get a brain injury, but the airbag is the most efficient way of getting, you know, you're having serious cognitive problems that could last a lifetime when, when that 200 mile an hour pro projectile hits your head. But also if you hit the windshield on the side or you hit some hard object in the car, uh, it's a slip and fall, you hit, you know, you, you go straight down on your head and your skull. Uh, these these uh, traumatic brain injury cases, I know you must have had a lot of them. Tell, have you had a case in the last a few months on uh, with, a, with an airbag causing concussion? Yes, I have. Actually, that um, inadvertent deployment airbag case um, I worked on earlier this year was actually actually caused uh, TBI. Okay. Uh, now, how are so the 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 auto manufacturer, and that's an auto manufacturer problem. That's a product liability, very expensive when you sue Ford. I mean, they have all the lawyers <laughs> right. in the world. So that you you're coming in and you're explaining it was inadvertent. I think Ford would say they would deny it. It never happens in our car. And then I'm, I'm making up for it. I don't know who the product was. And then, and then secondly, well, well, the, the, the victims must have done something to deploy that. They must have been playing around. 
And so they usually blame the victim. And at a certain point, uh, you bring in enough evidence. And what kind of evidence did you bring in to show that it was a, a spontaneous, unplanned eruption? So I actually inspected the vehicle uh, from you know head to toe and found zero evidence of impact or collision. Um, the opposing expert found about a quarter-inch um, deformation under the vehicle and initially claimed that that could have caused a large enough Delta V to um, deploy the airbags. And when we ran the calculations on that, there was no way that a quarter-inch deformation, likely from hitting a curb or a pothole, um, could come anywhere near to causing these airbags to deploy, and therefore it had to be spontaneous, which you know was in the plaintiff's deposition as well. So, so the victim was at fault because they had a prior some kind of a accident that caused a problem with the car, and that later on triggered the airbag. Is that is that the manufacturer's theory? Yeah, either that or at the time of that um, damage that the airbag deployed, um, which I also went out to the site, inspected the road for any large potholes in the area where it deployed, and there was also no evidence of that. Well, it, it, has that case ever been resolved? Those those can take years. <laughs> it's, I believe it's still uh, being resolved. Uh, well, uh, it, it it sounds like you're the cornerstone of that case. Do you take a? Do you bring uh, when you're inspecting? Do you do you bring a video camera? Yes, uh, video camera, high resolution camera, and a whole bag of tools. <laughs> that's that's great. You bring a team, or is it you? Uh, typically, it's just me. If it's um, if it's something extensive, I can bring an assistant out. Okay. Um, no, that's uh, uh, no, that's that's good and significant. When you have, and give me an estimate if you would. When when routinely the patient uh, uh, is hit in the rear and hits a car in front, the airbag will go off. So that's a triple uh, uh, trauma. You're getting hit three right. times. When that Essentially bounce what, back and forth. Yeah. So when you're when you're hit with the airbag, what's a delta V generally? Um, so that's going to be at least 15, and that's um, typically enough to cause injury. Okay, got it. Okay. Now, uh, what is an injury causing delta in your experience? That is, is it is it six plus or ten plus or or what's what's the guideline on this? I've seen. Uh, soft tissue injuries that can be directly correlated to the type of impact or collision um, started about five or six miles per hour delta V. Okay. All right. Uh, and so, from there, it just gets worse. Oh, well, of course, inevitably. Well, uh, of course, today's uh, newer, newer cars, is everything's retractable. Uh, the, you know, when you hit, uh, you know, there's supposed to be all sorts of braces and, and devices of, of taking uh, the impact and diverting it elsewhere. Uh, are the newer are the newer cars basically safer than the more brittle older cars? In most cases, yes. Um, depend and depending on your type of impact as well. Um, the older, kind of heavier models would take certain impacts um, better than the new models. But the new models have also added safety with along with getting lighter they've also added the safety features to compensate for that 
Okay. All right. Well, listen, this is we've only got a few minutes with you and we're 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 uh, near the end of our interview. You have two offices, I see. Uh you have an office in the Los Angeles area. Where is it? It's in Marina del Rey. And uh Northern Cal? We're in Berkeley. Okay. Now, uh I I think it's unlikely that that a chiropractor is going to call you and say, hey, I need an AR guy over here right away. But chiropractors talk to lawyers all day long. And oftentimes, the lawyers will say, I'm sorry, doctor, there's nothing here. Uh, Maybe it's a good idea that the lawyer contacts uh, Zachary Moore at Wexco, W-E-X-C-O International, Wexco International. Now, we're going to have this on on a podcast. You can... Uh, listen to this. Uh, we'll get it posted in a couple of days at the SeanSteel.com website under Doctors Resources. Uh, if you have any questions or you have anything more for uh, for Zachary Moore, that's a nice little pun, no pun intended, uh, email me, SeanSteel at SeanSteel.com. Just simply email me and I'll forward the questions uh, to Zach Moore. Uh, he can't escape me. we got him working on about a half a dozen cases right now. We're having a lot of fun. Some very dramatic stuff. Uh, one of my favorite places in law school, uh, one of the earliest tort cases I read was about Blood Alley, and that's, uh, I think it's Highway 18 up to Big Bear. And that's just an unbelievable, it's still killing people to this day. And those those curves are steep, they're not fortified well, the roads are not well designed, and people are still going over the cliffs, and it's, uh, it's very, very tragic. So, uh, so we, we, we've had a spat, a spat of these cases over the last couple of months. So, doctors, you got any questions about the biomechanics or the, uh, not the biomechanics, but about the engineering principles of all sorts of accidents, uh, Wexco International is the way to go. Zachary Moore, easy to talk with. Uh, Mr. Moore, I appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. All right. Well, we'll see you in the uh, we'll see you in the field at, uh, at at some important investigation with your video camera. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye bye.